Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Don't get up. Okay. So <laughs> Here we go. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Now go to Psalm 103. Thank you, Lord. I do believe we touched the glory in this place tonight. Oh, my goodness. I knew there was going to be something different about this service. There's just something, something different. All right. Praise God. Oh, thank you. All right. So Psalm 103, 1 through 5. I'm a little discombobulated, if you haven't noticed. Is that all right? (laughs) That's a new one. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right, Psalm 103, 1 through 5. It says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Now, if the word is telling us not to forget it, the temptation is always going to be to what? Forget it. We can't forget it. We got to keep it in our thought life. Amen. And forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all some of your diseases. What? Oh, okay. I read that wrong. All right. Who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. Amen. Come on, somebody. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Ah, I love that. Woo! Yeah! There's just something different about that. When you're in relationship with the Lord, right guys? I mean, when you're in relationship with the Lord, it, it, it brings a glow to your life, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Praise God. I love the glow. Say glow. The title of my message tonight is this, The Weapons of Our Warfare. All right, so of course I'm connecting this with healing and with deliverance, of course. But if you have a sickness or a disease or an infirmity in your body, the first thing that you need to know is this, it is not from God. It is not from God, all right? You wouldn't believe, I mean, how many people you have to convince that it's not, right? So I know it sounds simple, but... A lot of people, they're punishing themselves. They think, well, I was just too bad in life, right? God's trying to punish me and I'll get over it. Amen. Get over it. All right. So God is not punishing you. All right. God and the devil are not friends. They're not teammates. They don't work together. Amen. All right. They're not on the same team. In fact, just as important as faith, hope, and love. You know what we need a good dose of as the body of Christ? You ready for this? We need to hate the devil's stuff. You know, we're always, you know, love, love, love. Okay, so we need to hear a good message on to hate the devil's stuff. Amen? We are tolerating way too much in the church, in the Christian life, in our lives. Amen? You need to start hating the devil's stuff. All right? That is key or else nothing is going to change. What you tolerate will remain. You give the devil an inch, he's going to take a mile. Are you hearing me? So our Heavenly Father has made provision for healing and deliverance through His Son, Jesus Christ, over 2,000 years ago. Amen? But the very first thing you must settle in your life is, number one, make sure you're a child of God. Is everyone a child of God in here tonight? Amen. Make sure, because sure, you could get healed as an unbeliever, but what's the point? Here, here's the deal. If an unbeliever gets healed. You know what that's called? The mercy of God. He's just giving you a little bit more time to come to him, but it's all a gamble. Are you hearing me? Somebody, are you following me? You online watching, you hearing me? You need to make Jesus Lord of your life. Amen. So the greatest miracle, we can't forget this is to make Jesus Lord of your life and get born again. Amen. Can we all agree on that? So the Holy Spirit comes in and he washes away that sin nature. I love that. Amen. That's why when you're a Christian, you're no longer called a sinner. You're a saint. Now, that doesn't mean, again, you're not ever going to mess up. We get that. We get, you get that? 
But your sin nature is washed away, but you still need to do something with renewing of your mind. But you're not a sinner anymore if you're in Christ. Amen? Man, I'm so glad you guys hung with me this long. Amen? <laughs> but Jeremiah 29, 11 says, listen, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I like that. Amen? If you're in this place tonight or listening to me around the world, if you are in need of a miracle, you need to know something here. That sickness, disease, and bondage do not line up with that scripture. A few, say future and a hope. Sickness, disease, and bondage, it, it, there's no connect, it's, they're totally opposites. Because sickness, disease, and bondage, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to kill you. It's a slow death. You do know that, right? Sickness, disease, and bondage, it's a slow death. All right. So in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. We heard it a million times, but guess what? We can never hear it enough. Amen. Paul said, Hey, I'm going to put you in remembrance. Amen. We need to be reminded of these truths, right? Because how many, you know, we get caught up in our own little thing and man, things are happening in life and, 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 and you kind of lose sight of some of those things sometimes. Amen. So we always need, it doesn't matter how simple the truth is. We always need to come back and be reminded of it. Amen? But there is a real enemy on this earth, and and they are trying to cut your life short through sickness, disease, and bondage. Okay? Listen, the devil and demons, they are not some cute cartoon character like Hollywood makes it out to be. You understand that, right? All right? Now, Jesus in his earthly ministry, what... What did he do? He went in and taught the kingdom of God, right? Preached the gospel, and he healed the sick, and he cast out demons. Amen? Amen. In fact, he cast out demons quite a bit. In fact, one of his first deliverances was in a synagogue. You know what that is? A church. Are you following me? So if Jesus spent much of his time casting out demons, how many of you know uh, things haven't gotten any better on this earth? Are you right? I mean, things are pretty rough on this earth right now. Wouldn't you think, pastors? Amen. So if Jesus did it back then, why aren't we doing it now? There's no demon shortage. Are you hearing me, somebody? But God has not left the church of Jesus Christ powerless and weaponless. Amen. Now, Many demons operate in people's lives. Let me touch on this. Because the emotional wounds, okay, in their life, whatever you've been through in life, okay, you've had emotional issues that we've all, hello, somebody, any, am I preaching to the choir? We've all been through some emotional things in our life, right? Rejection and all of these things. So these are the things that demons take advantage of in the life of people, in Christians too. Hello? I said in Christians too. All right. But many allow demons to operate because of these emotional strongholds in their soul, their mind, will, and emotions. Okay. The enemy, listen to this. The enemy steal, kills, and destroys from within and works its way out. I said the enemy steal, kills, and destroys from the inside out. Why do you think the enemy is constantly trying to hijack the Christian's thought life? Say inside out. I mean, even science tells us. Someone who, who, who's always stressed and anxiety-ridden, right? What happens? Chemicals get, bad chemicals get released in the body and you get an ulcer. You have anxiety, someone has a heart attack. Are you following me? This is science even confirming what the Word of God says. Amen? Amen. So a person that has a demon or demons has an edge of compulsion with fleshly fleshly weaknesses or desires. All right, you ready for this? So a lot of times people will say, oh, well, that's that's not a demon. That's just the flesh. Demons operate through the flesh. That's how they operate. Now, is everything a demon? No, I'm not saying it is. But when they operate, it's through the flesh. Now, and so when someone has a demon, what happens is there's, there's, let's put it this way. There's an edge of a compulsion to it. Are you following me? 
There's, it's not just your standard, oh, I'm tempted to look at blah, blah, blah. No, there's a compulsion. There's something wanting to drive you to that thing. There's an edge. There's an edge. Say edge. There's an edge to it, okay? So even after you get delivered from a demonic spirit, you're still going to have to deal with the flesh. You can't cast the flesh out. You can get the demon out, and it's going to make it a lot, a little easier, okay? Let's put it that way. Because that de- devil on the inside, it wants... Now, I know what you're thinking. A Christian? No. Listen, demonic spirit can attack the bot- physical body and a soul of a Christian, all right? Are you following me? He can't touch the spirit because the Holy Spirit lives there. You following me? But we know from the word of God that some sicknesses and, 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 and diseases are a direct result of a demon being present in the physical body in a certain area. That's Bible. All right. That's not Pastor James. That's Bible tell, telling you that. Amen. My point is we can't be ignoring this stuff. We can't ignore the deliverance aspect. Amen. Now, again, so, you know, a lot of people use the word possessed. Okay, that's kind of a bad term. The better word to use is demonized. Say demonized. And it simply means this, to be under the influence of a demonic spirit in a certain area of your life. Are you following me? All right. So people have different bondages and strongholds. And the enemy is very strategic where he hits you at. The devil's not going to tempt me with homosexuality. Hello, somebody. He knows he'd be wasting his time. Are you following me? I'm just getting real with y'all right here. The devil's very strategic on where he's going to, going to attack your life. He's very strategic on the words that come out of your mouth. The, the bitterness, the unforgiveness that you're holding in your heart because of that person that wounded or hurt you in the past. Oh, yeah, they're watching. And they're looking for every weakness where they can try to get in. Are you following me? Let's get a little quiet in this white little church tonight. But, so deliverance gets rid of that demonic edge or that compulsion. Again, you still have to renew your mind. You're still going to have to overcome some things. That's why when someone goes through deliverance, you better be in discipleship. Right? You better be in discipleship and you better get serious because the Bible says if you cast them out and you go back to that thing, seven more worse are going to come on back. And by the way, that's why you don't cast them out of an unbeliever. There's nothing that's going to keep the devil from coming back. The only time you cast a demon out of an unbeliever, there's a couple things that scripture shows. And in the couple, or the time is if there's someone who's totally out of their mind. The demoniac, right? They're just, they can't even make it. I mean, they're just totally gone. Cast that devil out. But the word of God says that deliverance is the children's bread. Those who are in covenant with God. It's a benefit. Amen? They don't leave automatically. They must be cast out. Boy, it would be great, right? Because Philip, when he went down to Samaria, it said that he was getting, people were getting saved and, and then people were getting delivered from demon spirits. Well, if salvation settled it all and got rid of the demons, why wouldn't he just get the people saved and say, see you later, guys? No, the fact was he was getting people saved and then delivering them from the evil spirits. Oh, are you following me? You see how that goes? Because it's primarily the children's bread. Why would you cast them out of an unbeliever that doesn't even want to make Christ their Lord and Savior? Right? So, by our warfare, our weapons are not carnal. They are, they are not natural weapons, but they're spiritual. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, they are mighty through God. Amen? Listen, I realize the whole deliverance topic is, is controversial and all that, but I found out Jesus was controversial too. He stirred up a lot of Pharisees, amen? He stirred up the religious. So uh, I think we're in pretty good company if we're doing that, amen? So this spiritual battle that we are in as Christians on this earth will only be won if we use the weapons that have been given to us by God, Amen? That is why I always say that an unbeliever and an unbelieving believer are a punching bag for the enemy. I said an unbeliever and an unbelieving believer. 
Don't be an unbelieving believer. I, you know, I find that interesting. Don't you guys find that interesting? How someone can, can believe they made Jesus Lord of their life and they're going to get boomed up to heaven when they die, right? But uh, I can't believe him for this air, little thing over here. Getting healed of a headache or something, right? You follow, right? Someone's getting a revelation bomb right there. Amen? Don't be an unbelieving believer. So there are three weapons that God has given us. And I just want to focus on on these three here right now. There are three weapons that God has given us to war against Satan, evil spirits, sickness, disease, basically the kingdom of darkness, all right? Here we go. The three weapons I want to talk about, number one is is the word of God, the name of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus. We need all three, amen? You need to know about the benefits of all three, all right? So let's get into this. Now, first of all, these three weapons are the, let's, let's put it this way. They're the warheads. You know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about, I'm using military talk here. We're talking about a missile. There's a missile. And, and at the very top of the missile, there's what's called the warhead, right? So the missile, it shoots off and it's trying to deliver the warhead on top that's going to explode the enemy's stuff. The warheads I'm talking about are the Word of God, the name of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus right now. So the first weapon is the Word of God. So the Word of God, and, and, and I know some of this is basic, so bear with me, because we got new faces, and, and everyone's at a different level. But remember, we can never hear truth enough. The, even the basics, we need a good foundation. Amen? So the Bible is not just an ordinary book. It is the Word of God, the will of God for every person contained in it. It's, the Word of God has the, the general will of God. Amen. Say general. general. And what every Christian should be doing. Now, what do I mean by general? Well, you know, I haven't seen in the Word where it says, James Brand is going to be the pastor at Living Waters Chapel. There's the general will of God, and then there's specific instructions from the Holy Ghost. And that's the importance of having a a communion and a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because He will show you the specifics. Say specifics. But the Word of God is our foundation. It is the general will of God for every Christian. Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is quick or alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, here's what I want to show you. I talked about this, my people here at Living Waters, I talked about this recently, but I want to touch on this. So it's sharper, it's quick, alive, or powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. What that is saying is that is a spiritual reality. That is reality in the spirit realm of what the Word of God is. Are you following me? Come on, don't lose me here. Go to Ephesians 1. Let me explain. Ephesians 1. Say spiritual reality. That is described. That's, this is not just some po- poetry. Oh, the Word of God is quick and powerful. No, no, no. No, this is, this is reality of what the Word is, what the enemy sees in the spirit realm. Are you following me? Ephesians 1.3. Look at this. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has underlined it, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, here's the deal. Every blessing in Christ, say blessing in Christ. Here's what it is. Everything that Jesus purchased for us, is a spiritual blessing. It's, say spiritual. Spiritual. It's a spiritual blessing. Now, here we go. In that spiritual blessing, our faith, say hand of faith. The hand of faith reaches into the spiritual and we pull it into the natural realm. But it is a spiritual blessing. We just seen it right here in this scripture. Christ blessed us with spiritual blessings. Now, Here we go. So we must put our yes and amen on every blessing in the Word of God. That's why you see some people, you know, they're they're strong in one area but weak in another. They put their yes and amen on on this one thing, but eh, not this thing. So every promise in the Word of God, we have to put our yes and amen on it. You following me? So faith is built on the Word of God from hearing the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. Hearing it over and over, okay? Not just one time. 
Go with me to Acts 14. I want to show you something here. So every blessing that Jesus purchased for us is a spiritual blessing. This is where many Christians miss it. Many Christians, they just think, well, if it's part of salvation, it's just going to manifest. It's just going to automatically be there. No, no, no. That's why you need faith to pull it from the spiritual into your life, into the natural realm. Look at Acts 14, 8 through 10. It says, And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard, underline it, heard Paul speaking. All right. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. All right. I find this very interesting that Paul saw this man's faith. A lot of times we try to make faith this real spooky, invisible thing in the Christian's life, a very private thing. No? It said here when Paul was speaking to this man, this crippled man, it said Paul could see faith was building up in him. And, and it made me wonder, what did Paul see? What do you guys think he saw? As he was speaking the word. And he, I just love that. What do you think Paul seen? I bet you he's seen that guy rise up and, and listen intently. He, knew, he could see his faith. Does that blow you away? Because everyone wants to try to make it, like I said, this private, spooky, invisible thing. No, no, no. Your faith should be seen. Your faith should be heard. Faith without works. Your faith should be, it should be coming out of your mouth. Oh, you don't know my heart. Oh, yeah, I do, because I listen to you talk for two minutes, and it's pure unbelief. You following me? So, so we can depend and build our life upon every word that's contained in the Word of God. The Word of God has creative power in it. All right, in the spiritual and natural realms, Romans 4.21 says, What he, God, promised, he was able also to perform. Psalm 107.20, it says that God sent his word and healed them. So the word of God has creative power in it. So that means if we're speaking the word in faith, our words have creative power in it. It says the power of life and death are in the tongue. And you know what that literally means? It, 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 it's... A better translation would be authority. Authority of life and death. Oh, trust me. You know, you got the whole kingdom of God, the whole kingdom of darkness, every one of them, every being in those two uh, kingdoms are waiting to see what's coming out of your mouth. Why? Because God's given mankind authority on this earth. And the Bible says that his word is settled forever in heaven. It, does say, it doesn't say anything about earth. Why? Because we are the ones that settle it on earth. We are the body of Christ. Amen? We're the ones that carry out the function. Come on, somebody. So Isaiah says that the word of God will not return void, but it will prosper in that thing which it was sent to accomplish. That means this. If you're trying to find a scripture for something you're trying to believe in, be specific. I, even in our prayers, you know, we, we always try to pray these general prayers. No, we need to be specific. God knows what you have need of. What? Before you ask. It's implied that we're still supposed to ask. Oh, God knows he'll just do it, right? No, we're supposed to ask. Why? Because the power, the authority of life and death are in the power of the tongue. So when we come into agreement and speak the word of God, mm, that creative power is being released. Man. So here we go. The Bible refers to itself as medicine. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Well, we should have just brought our sleeping bags here tonight, huh? <laughs> Proverbs 4. <laughs> oh, I love it. God is good, isn't he? Uh, so Proverbs 4, 20 through 24, it says this. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. 
Oof, this is rich. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Don't let them depart. The moment that it departs from your eyes, it departs from your heart. Verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. Why? Because the power or authority of life and death are in the power of the tongue. And put perverse lips far from you. You know what perverse lips talking about? Speaking out of line from the word of God. Anything that is out of faith, anything that's not in line with the word of God, it's perverse. It's twisted. Now, so the word of God has supernatural power to heal your body. It has supernatural power to heal your soul, mind, will, and emotions. The word of God is spiritual and it's also a physical painkiller. I find that interesting. It's health to all our flesh. Man, that's powerful. You know, this book's been sitting on our shelves for years, building dust, when this is the most powerful book in the universe. You follow? There's a reason why. There's a reason why this book is being banned in how many countries now? A lot, right? 52? There you go. The devil knows the power in it. The sad thing is, a lot of Christians don't. So we need, we, I want you to notice from Proverbs 4, that giving attention or focus to God's word brings healing. Say focus. I can't get off this, guys, and my sermons on Sunday. I always seem to go back to the focus thing. It always goes back to the What you focus on in your thought life will not only remain, but it will increase. You want to know why? Because it's a spiritual law. Say spiritual law. That means it can be good for be used for good and good for uh, be used for evil. What you focus on will increase. Remember, it says Peter was on the rooftop, and it said as he meditated on the vision, the Holy Spirit spoke. The reason some of you aren't hearing from the Holy Ghost because you're not focusing on hearing from Him. Sometimes we just need to take something spiritual, a vision the Lord gave to you, a a scripture. Just start thinking about that thing, analyzing it in your mind, picking it apart, and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost is going to drop a nugget in you. Are you following me? Focus is so important. That is why the kingdom of darkness is constantly trying to attack our thought life. See, so here's what the, the progression is. The enemy wants to attack your thought life so he attacks your thought life because then you're gonna, he wants you to start speaking the thoughts that he's trying to put in your mind. As you start doing that, now you're going to start to act on it. That's why everything that you have ever done, every action you have ever done in your life has run through the filter of your thought life. That is why the enemy is trying to hijack our thought life all the time. See, the enemy can't make you do anything. The best he can do is try to influence you to cooperate with him. It's all about who you're cooperating with in the spirit realm. What kingdom are you cooperating with? Amen? So as a man, as a person thinks, so is he or so is she. All right? So you need to start using, and I mentioned it earlier, we need to start using our thought life or imagination for holy purposes, for the word of God. Stop letting your imagination run out of control. Amen? See, a lot of people, when they hear imagination, they think it's new age or something. New age didn't create anything. God created that. God created that imagination to be used for holy purposes. Amen? So the condition of your thought life determines what kingdom you're inviting into your life. All right? So another benefit of the Word of God, of course, it's renewing your mind. How many of you know we all have a belief system on the inside of us? And and many people base their belief system on what has happened to them in life. All the junk that went through, that you've been through in life. It's forming this belief system. So the renewing of the mind is simply restructuring that belief system. When you restructure that belief system in line with the Word of God, that's when breakthrough comes. Until that belief system, that structure in your thought life is transformed, 
you're going to live in the flesh. All right? So, um, you know, so that's why it's so important, you know, to be uh, connected to a Bible-believing church, that they're preaching the Word of God. Amen? But if your stumbling block has been unscriptural teachings that you've listened to in the past, then you need to immerse yourself by reading and studying God's Word for yourself. More than just Sunday and maybe a Wednesday. Amen? Here's the thing. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to receive your healing? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to receive your deliverance? That's what it really comes down to. Because I don't know, I don't know. Pastors, have you found this out? There are a bunch of lazy Christians out there. We're meddling now. Right? We're having a little gathering here on this topic, right? But there's a lot of people that are just lazy. It's like they get cozy and comfortable where they're at, right? And, and some people want to stay where they're at because they, they want someone just, you know, always be, are you okay? You, you okay? You okay? You all right? You all right? No, let's get rid of this thing. Come on, somebody. Come on. God, we need to, that's why you need your focus. We need to hate the devil's stuff. We need to get into the word. Amen. All right. So um, Philippians 4.8, I'm pulling through here. I'm almost done. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever. You know what I like about this scripture is that it's not telling you exactly what to think of. It says whatever is. It's giving you a range. It's giving you a range. Say range. Whatever fits in that range, that's what you need to be thinking. (laughs) I see this arm go like this. Whatever falls in, if, if, if what you're thinking does not fall in this range, get it out of there. Amen. Get it out of there. If there's, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things or fill or flood, consume your thought life. Now the, the, the whole thing with meditation is not only thinking about it. It implies speaking it. That, it. that it fills your thought life so much that you speak it. See? Some of y'all meditating too much on that unforgiveness and hurt you had in the past. And it continually comes out of your mouth. That's because whatever's coming out of your mouth, you're meditating on that thing. Well, I don't know about meditation. Yeah, you do. You're just using it for the wrong thing. Amen? So get your mind and your thoughts on the word, what the Word of God says about your situation. Fight the good fight of faith. It is a good fight of faith. Amen? Which means there's some bad fights. There's some things that you're fighting for don't mean a hill of beans in your life. But if you're fighting for the will of God and for the Word of God, that's a good fight. Amen? But it is a struggle at times. All right? And, and, and God recognizes that. He knows where we're weak. Amen? All right, but here's the thing: you only lose if you give up. You only lose if you give up. We can't. If you, if your will will just stay engaged with the Word of God and the Holy Ghost, you won't lose. Amen. The Bible says that we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. So. Uh, you know, the promises have been given. Now we need to believe them. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper, uh, that you may be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. This is something that science has gotten a hold of, right? So in other words, as much as your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, if they're prospering in the Word of God, your body's going to follow suit. Yes. Amen? Yes. The Bible reveals that health and prosperity are the will of God. Now, that doesn't mean you're all going to be billionaires. Millionaires. I'm not saying that. But God doesn't want you lacking either. Amen. All right. So the second weapon is the name of Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 through 10 says, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth. All right. So the name of Jesus then has dominion over Satan and his entire kingdom. 
Think about that. Isn't that, um, that just blows my mind. Amen. So the name of Jesus has authority and, and power over sickness and disease. There is power in the name of Jesus. When the name of, Je- if you don't know what to say, speak the name of Jesus in faith. Come on. Why? Because everything in this word is wrapped up in the name of Jesus. Every time the name of Jesus is spoken in faith, you are loosing the benefits that Jesus purchased for you. All that Jesus accomplished for us is contained in his name. In fact, when you speak the name of Jesus in faith, here it is. Ready for this? You're activating the covenant. Everything that God has belongs to you as a Christian. But, mm, but here's the other side of it. Everything that you have belongs to him. See, and that's where many people don't want to relinquish control of that. Think about it. But that's covenant, right? Husbands, wives, uh, I mean, are you okay if your husband and wife goes out, sleeps with somebody else? Are you, all, are you cool with that? God's not cool with it either. Spiritually speaking, right? So Jesus gave his followers the right to use his name and to carry on with his ministry of healing, miracles, signs and wonders and getting people born again. I love that. Amen. In John 14, 13, Jesus said, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, I will do it or anything within the boundaries of the word of God. Jesus is the word of God, isn't he? Right? John 1.1. 1, 1. In John 16.23, Jesus said, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. You are simply claiming what belongs to you. So healing and deliverance are the will of God, and they are in his name. And that provision has been made through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lastly, the third weapon is the blood of Jesus. Now, remember, I'm talking about the warheads. These are the things that do damage to, the, to Satan's kingdom. This is what we're, we're coming against the enemy and all the kingdom of darkness with. Amen? The blood that poured from the stripes that Jesus took when he was beaten purchased your healing. By his stripes, you were healed. Past tense. So what is that saying? It's saying the, the spiritual provisions there. Take it. Believe it. Believe it. See, we, we try, uh, man, we just complicate things sometimes, don't we? All right. But it is the blood of Jesus that removes Satan's. Here it is. Are you ready for this? This is what many people don't understand. The blood of Jesus removed Satan's legal right. We're talking law talk here now. Covenant, by the way, is law talk. Amen. So, so the blood of Jesus took away Satan's legal right to put sickness, disease, and bondage, the curse of the law, Deuteronomy 28. If you're a Christian, legally, you are delivered from that. Now, you are. Now, here's the deal. You ready for this? There's a difference between it legally being yours and you taking hold of it, experiencing it. This is where many Christians get tripped up. Oh, well, if it legally belongs to me, it's just going to happen, right? Listen, if someone in your family died and they left something for you in their will, it don't automatically come to you. You've got to go to the lawyer. You've got to go sign some paperwork. Are you following me? The same is true in the spirit realm. Do you know your words sign contracts in the spirit realm? The words that come out of your mouth... They are, you're signing contracts in the spirit realm, all right? So there's, you know, legally it belongs to us, but now you must experience it, and that's where you have to believe. Jesus said, that's why, you know, according to your faith, be it unto you. I know a lot of people, when they hear the whole faith thing, they get all up in arms. Everything in the Christian life comes down to faith. Are you kidding me? How can someone have an issue with faith? Trusting God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, I preached this last week. I said, I said, it's impossible to please Him. It doesn't mean that God hates you or is angry, but it's not pleasing to Him. It's like our kids when they're being stinkers. You love them, but I'm not very happy with them sometimes. That's how God is with us. He's saying, would you just believe me? 
Just believe me. Amen. So to fully understand the power of the blood of Jesus, you need to understand the entry point of sickness and disease on this earth. All right. So sickness and disease entered in bondage. The curse, we'll call it, right? The curse entered when Adam and Eve sinned. Actually, we'll call him Adam because Eve didn't get her name until after the fall, right? You understand. There's a whole thing teaching with that. But the fall of man is where the curse came in. You could say it this way. That sin was the doorway that allowed sickness and disease and bondage to come into this earth. It was never in God's original plan. And guess what? It's still not in his plan today. The Bible calls Jesus, as you've seen on the video earlier today, the second Adam in Romans chapter 5. What Adam allowed to enter this earth through sin is now reversed in the lives of those who make Jesus Lord of their life. Legally speaking. Say legally speaking. So the question that you might have then, why are so many Christians sick, diseased, and in bondage? There's several reasons for it. There can be a lack of knowledge of what belongs to you. Okay, let's talk about insurance companies. How many of you like insurance companies? If you have an insurance policy and you don't read that policy, they're not going to come to you and say, Oh, <laughs> Mr. Brandt, by the way, uh, you paid 5000 out of your pocket. We cover that. You just missed it in the policy. Do you think an insurance company is going to do that? No. Do you think the devil's going to come to you and say, Oh, <laughs> healing's in the Bible. Jesus purchased it for you. Do you think the devil's going to do that? Absolutely not. He takes advantage of what you don't know. Same with these insurance companies. Those sinners, right? Man, don't you hate that? They're always trying to wiggle out of it. That's for another sermon, but... But there can be several things to name a few, right? I mean, living a backslidden slidden life. I mean, that can open the door. The Bible says don't give the devil any place. Don't give the devil any place in your life, right? Jesus said go, go and sin no more, right? So there's a place for holiness in, in living a right life for God. Amen? We know this. <clears throat> but the truth is this. Many Christians just aren't willing to do what it takes to build their faith and receive from God. It's sad, but it's true. Um, the, the, the desperation's not there. I don't know. It, you know, that's why, you know, you hear the, the term when they hit rock bottom, right? Many times people have to hit rock bottom. Guess who that rock is? Jesus. Come on, somebody. When they get through with all the crap, they finally come to Jesus. It's a come to Jesus moment. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So. Many Christians, listen to this, hope for healing. They hope for healing. But never take that step of turning hope into faith for now. Oh, there's a spiritual truth. Are you following me? Hope is for the future. Hope is for the future. But it's a substance and evidence of things hoped for. That's what faith is. So hope needs to be present. We can't pick on hope, but you're not going to receive from God with hope because hope's looking to the future. I don't know about you, but if I have a sickness or a disease in my body, I want healing now. So that hope then has to be converted over to faith. Faith is now. Say now. now. All right. So you understand, I, I, you, you, this topic is so huge. All we can do is touch on a few things. So, you know, you can't, I, we'd be here all night, but... Just keep coming to the services. We'll touch on it eventually. But so the warheads are the word of God, the name of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus. So the key in any war is to get the warheads to the point of the attack. This means that we need missiles to carry it to the target. Say carry it to the target. And I'm going to blast through these, all right? Here we go. The first missile that you need to launch, the warheads, uh, is praise. You need to start praising God. Praise to God is extremely powerful. Praise has the word raise in it. It means you're lifting God above your present circumstances. You have a perspective of the word of God perspective, not on this earthly plane. Are you following me? 
All right. So when you start to praise God, your perspective, you start to get lifted up and you're seeing it from the, oh, come on, somebody from the throne room. And that problem, that situation looks, looks so small. But when you're down here, man, that looks big. Are you following me? Praise. Whoo. If you'll start praising God for the answer, for your healing, for your deliverance before it happens, listen, it causes confusion in the enemy's camp. It actually weakens the hold that they have on your life. But guess what it takes for you to start praising God in the midst of that? Faith. Really, praise is a manifestation of faith. Right? Because everything in the natural looks like a mess. What the doctor told you, it's horrible. But you're going to start to praise God anyways. And that confuses the enemy. He hates it. And so praise creates a shift in your thought life to the kingdom of God and off the problem. All right? Praise is a demonstration, like you said, or a manifestation of your faith. That's how Paul and Silas, like I said in a sermon, but there's new people, so Living Waters Chapel people, you just hang on. That's why Paul and Silas could sit in a cold, dark cell and start praising God. They had nothing to praise God about. But they praised, and guess what? Breakthrough came. It's a way of thanking God in advance before you see the manifestation in the natural. Breakthrough requires an effort, and praise and shouting unto God is putting an effort. It's pushing through for that stronghold. Are you getting it? All right? It's a way of thanking Him. So start praising God for the answer and His goodness in the storm you're facing, and you watch. There will be a shift in the natural realm. I guarantee you. It's, it, and it all comes down to shifting your focus. You must shift your focus off of the mountain. We speak to the mountain, not about the mountain. Amen? So sickness, listen to this. Sickness and disease and depression... Science. This is science now. This ain't New Age. This is science. Sickness, disease, and depression all have a very low frequency. Heaviness. Depression. It has a low frequency. So when you start praising God and the anointing starts coming upon you, what do you think happens to that frequency? The atmosphere of heaven starts to fill that place. Come on, somebody. Your praise raises the frequency, come on, to the frequency of heaven. And it causes you to have an on earth as it it is in heaven. Are you following me? (laughs) We're pushing, we're pushing. So start releasing the miraculous power of God with praise to Him. The next missile uh, to deliver the warheads is prayer. Very important. So now you've got to understand what I want to touch with prayer real quick here is that you pray or say. You need the Holy Spirit to determine that sometimes. You, you can pray or you can say, Mark eleven twenty three. You shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. Right? You speak to the mountain. And then Jesus goes on to say in verse 24, Therefore, whatsoever things you pray for, believe that you reason. Right? So Jesus kind of, he talks about saying and praying. Say or pray. So I just wanted to put that in your thought life. Um, Remember, when you're praying the promises of God, you're not begging God. You're not begging God. Don't beg Him for healing because He already made the provision. You're not begging Him for anything. if If there's a promise, He made the provision. Amen? Just take hold of it by faith. All right? Um, Let's see here. Um... Oh, real quick, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. You you remember that scripture having to do with deliverance? So this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. The fasting and prayer doesn't make the demon leave. Listen, here, here you go. Fasting and prayer equips you, the minister, to deal with that kind of a demon. Well, how do we know this? Because Jesus said it was a faith problem by his people. Oh, I got a whole teaching on that one. All right, here we go. Moving on. The next uh, next missile is confession. 
Confess means to uh, to agree with, say the same thing as, blah, blah, blah. The next missile is resistance. Resist the enemy, right? Resist him. Resist him in the word. Resist him with uh, your words, with actions. The next one is preaching and teaching. Make sure you're in a good Bible-believing church. Right? Position yourself for that warhead to hit you, to hit that sickness, to hit that disease, to hit that demonic spirit that's attacking you, right? That's why it's important to be in a good Bible-believing church. Because when the sermon, when the preaching's coming forth, that warhead's coming, baby. That warhead's coming. Are you hearing me? So we position ourselves. Amen? The next one is binding, loosing, and rooting up missile. All right? So um, get bold, command the enemy, start using your authority. And the last one is testimony, as we heard a testimony tonight. Uh, Revelation 12, 11 says the Christians overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies. Testimonies are powerful because here's why. So someone might say, well, because it creates faith, right? No, it creates hope. And then that hope can get transferred to faith. So when a testimony, right? Because when you heard, a, heard that testimony tonight, you were thinking, oh, I sure need that. Well, what's that doing? You're looking at to the future. It creates a hope, not faith. You get it? So I want you to notice here, and I'm on the last page, I promise. See, here it is. Okay. I want you to notice that every missile that I mentioned has one common thread. All right? They all deal with our mouth and the things that we speak. It is powerful. Powerful. You start agreeing with the word, you start speaking the word, you're going to see heaven come down on earth in your life. Amen? So, use the missiles I just talked about to transport those three warheads to the enemy and everything attacking your life. Amen? Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, thank you so much for what you have done in this service tonight. And Lord, we were in no hurry tonight. We were in no hurry. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ in this place. Now, maybe there's someone in here you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. If you've never made him Lord of your life, I want you to come down to this altar and we're going to pray with you to get a new birthday, to make him Lord of your life. Don't leave here because you don't know when you're going to take your last breath. And when you take your last breath, guess what? Game over. Maybe you're in here you need to rededicate your life. If you need to rededicate your life, what, is, what am I talking about? If you died right now, you do not have confidence that you would go to heaven and be in the presence of the Lord. If that's you, you need to get down here and you need to rededicate your life. And let's deal with that tonight. Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus said you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Amen. So if you need the Holy Ghost baptism, come on down. Uh, if you need prayer for anything else, you didn't come up earlier, we'll stick around. So, hey, everyone, thank you so much for coming tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and by the way, let us know of any testimonies that come forth. We're going to give glory to Jesus only. Amen. Amen. Pastors, thank you so much. We love you guys. Give them a hand. Have a great night. Oh, and go to church tomorrow. It's 10. No excuse not to go to church. Amen. All right, love you all. Thank you so much for coming.